Hello and welcome to Tip Manor podcast. So, chaps, I'm expecting a different level of maturity and experience in uh, this week's pod because little Connor isn't here with us. But, John, you are back. Are you going to bring that maturity? I'll try, although I'm still I'm still working my way back into it. But I'm back for the business end of the season. You know, can you do it on a cold Sunday night on the podcast? We'll, <laughs> we'll see, really. I don't know. How was Sri Lanka? What was your favourite Sri Lankan dinner? And uh, did you set up the Sri Lankan Yellows Club? Well, it sounds it sounds really obvious thing to say, but it, the curry there was next level, really. I mean, what we do to in this country to curry, it's it's just not curry, really, is it? Um, I did I did note my challenge, and unfortunately, the Man United de- marketing department has been doing their work out there. I really struggled to find anyone who'd heard of Oxford United. I did get one guy to say we were the second best team in the UK, but I had just tipped him coming out of a um, tuk-tuk. So uh, genuinely, I'm, I'm not sure. But I mean, I'm doing better than Connor, who's actually with people who might support Oxford. So I'm taking it as a pass. <laughs> it's worth saying Connor has abandoned us because he's got his second date in as many weeks with as many women. So He's out of control. He's out of control. He is. He's that young buck of the group he's still there uh, ben you're also here are you now considering sri lanka as a honeymoon venue after john's review potentially it's definitely somewhere i'd like to go at some point um whether it's for the honeymoon or it's just an one for the list for another day um i'm not sure uh, in terms of bringing maturity i can bring you less swear words that might be a bonus on uh, on connor yeah we might go clean this week actually hmm. maybe we need to just talk about brexit or something <laughs> Uh, Jack isn't with us this week either he's visiting family uh, in York actually he's near me Um, in terms of agenda for today I didn't do an agenda last week and we managed to get it under an hour so basically we're going to talk about Oxford United and I think we should move on from there to the news Ben, you're the newsman again. Yeah, I, f- I feel I feel a bit wrong this time because John's such such an expert at the news reading voice. I feel like I'm taking his spot, but uh, <laughs> you can take it next time. No, no, you silk it out, Ben. <laughs> right, so I'll try and whiz through this because it's quite a lot. Um, first one, which only just realised uh, about an hour or two ago, it's uh, it, it's our 126th birthday today as a football club. Ah. In the happy birthday to <laughs> we don't have time. Us. We don't have time to sing that if you want to keep it under an hour. Okay, <laughs> on your own. Uh, so Britannia Pub in 1893, um, the blue plaque, which I know a lot in Oxfox have been working hard to get organised. That was unveiled uh, on the pub today, so uh, well done to everyone involved in that. Uh, following nice. up from the uh, trial list we had last week. Uh, we still haven't really made any decisions. Obviously, there's been no announcements of any signings. Uh, Malik Dick Steele, still a great name. Uh, he's viewed more, I think, <laughs> as a potential for the future. Perhaps uh, maybe in the summer we might have another look at him. Uh, whereas uh, Jem Karajan was uh, was brought in very much as a, an option to fill the gap in now uh, with uh, the injuries we've got. Um, neither are still training with the club, so we'll wait and see whether anything comes out of that. Uh, talking of signings as such, James Henry signed a new two-year deal with the option of an extra year, which is great. Well in, J-Mo. 
Oh. I was hoping for the jingle. I was hoping for the jingle. We wouldn't have to do some lame cheering then. Otherwise, <laughs> it's such such good news. Um, he's so important. He's a senior player and will be for the next couple of years. I think we'll get on to it about players like Brannigan. Brannigan will, will probably go, but Henry's going to stick around for a couple of years, be that senior person, set the tempo. It's it's so it's massive. Yeah, he's very much an impact player. Um, Dave Pritchard from the Oxford Mail tweeted um, that since he signed in July 2017, he scored 17% of our 199 goals. This was before the game at the weekend. Uh, so that's 34, which is the same as those in second, third and fourth, which is Brannigan, Thomas and Ruffles. And he's a midfielder. So it shows how much we've relied on him, really, in the last two years and, and hopefully yeah. the next two years going forward. For sure. Another midfielder, Jamie Hansen. He's obviously been injured now for a while with a hamstring injury. Uh, did his first running, so he's he's slowly coming back to, well, not even light training, but sort of heading that direction. Early target of the Shrewsbury game to be available. I think that's early December, so maybe six weeks away. FA Cup draw gave us uh, a tie away at Hayes and Yedding. Um, thankfully, not at the uh, location where we had to suffer those dark, dark days in the conference in the late 2000s, they've moved to a nice new, maybe not so shiny ground, <laughs> uh, but that will be on the television, uh, which brought up the ridiculous fact that if we win that game, we would earn more money with it being televised than we would if we won the League Cup. Really? <laughs> it just shows EFL and, and everything that's wrong with it, I think. Do you, that, know, do you know how much you win for winning the League Cup? I think it's 100 grand. Wow. That's horrendous. I suspect you, obviously you'll get more with the ticket sales and the television, but yeah, just prize money alone, it's a hundred grand. Wow, there you go. Which is very shocking. Talking of money, uh, <laughs> Eric, oh, Mister Mister Segway today, uh, Eric Thoyer. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but uh, our Indonesian board member, he's been forced to step down as director. Uh, he's appointed Indonesian state-owned enterprises minister, which sounds very fancy. Oh, I was going um, for that job. But <laughs> uh, it, it means he was obliged to resign any board positions he was involved in, hence why he stepped down. Uh, interestingly, the Oxford Mail said they understand he'll still have some sort of input. Yeah. Which is I, quite vague. Could mean anything. I didn't understand that. So I just went for a load of articles to see if there was any substance to that comment, but there wasn't. So. You know, usually the XML is pretty solid with their articles. Sometimes there's the odd news to fill a gap. But yeah, I couldn't find anything, any reference as to what that actually meant. But you'd hope it just means that he's going to keep chucking in the odd mill every now drawing and then. A, drawing a massive dotted line. I mean, he was he was into Milan on the Inter Milan board for a brief amount of time. And he was also, I think, involved with DC United. And they, they went through a big thing to build a new stadium mm. now. Their stadium obviously be a lot bigger than ours, so maybe there's something in in that. I think the way the board seems to work is it's almost like who's got the expertise in different areas, and we're never going to be too sure who just brings the money. But they seem to have a lot of different people who must have experience in different ways. So maybe it's something to do with with that, or maybe it's just sort of am, ambassadorial, really. Yeah, yeah, it could be money, or it could just be just advice. You know, he's still even though he's he's not involved, he'll still be open to a phone call from Tiger and give him his advice where he needs it. Um, Although I don't know whether this was this was put out just before that news, just to sort of soften it a bit, but mm. Carl Robinson did say he's been given assurances there will be money to spend in January. So whether that's you know a little bit of money left behind by Eric before he's gone, or 
whether that was always the intention. Um, be interesting to see how much that is, and, and whether we do go out and splash it on an individual player, or whether we just you know fill some gaps, improve some bits of the squad, and save it all for the summer. Uh, finally, fashion news. We've not done fashion news before. <laughs> but our away shirt. For good reason. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know anything about fashion. Uh, the away shirt has outsold every other away shirt the seasons that we've had on record, and we've still got two thirds of the season to go. Uh, I think it's obviously why, because it's a very sexy kit. It's so still, they've it got still out- looks like um, the hen at a Hindu with her sash, and I'm going to stand <laughs> by that. But I still anyway. like it. Yeah, still, still nice. like it. Yeah, um, so they've ordered the last batch of kits in various sizes. So if you haven't got yours yet, make sure you get it now in the run up to Christmas. I'm sure they'll go. Uh, another kits, new kit, retro kit from the Terrace, who were experts in the old retro merch. We've got a, a good deal with, uh, with them and the club. So hopefully there's all sorts of things to come out in the future. Hmm. Um, 1986 home Wang shirt. And James, I know you mentioned this on Twitter or, or in our message group that any excuse to have Wang on a shirt legitimately is worth your money. <laughs> Absolutely. I did also say that I, whilst I think it's nice, it was very predictable that that would be the shirt that got remade. And it seems to be like the third reincarnation of the shirt. Um, there are a few comments of people saying, like messaging the terrace back and saying, could you make the 95, 96 shirt or the 96? I think I was keen for the 96, 97, be it that that was my first ever kit. But who knows? I think the uni, the uni part ones yeah. are strong. I mean, the the build base ones through the two thousands were pretty average, really. I but I really liked the away kit from I think it was three seasons ago. It was red and black. Yeah. And I, I looked into it, and that was actually the same as the ninety five ninety six yeah. away shirt, which I I didn't realize. So I suppose that that was a retro before its time, but. I didn't manage to get a hold of one of those, so maybe I'll get a retro yeah. 95-96. It's because they were made by Manor Leisure, and they were like home brand for a few years, so they could actually just whack those on. But I would hope they had put the furry uni part on. It was kind of like, yeah. does that make any sense to anyone? <laughs> the actual <laughs> uni part like, um, sponsor was kind of like 3D, and it came out from the shirt, and it was a bit furry. So if anyone wants a furry shirt, hopefully they bring that back. Um just on that, I've just realised I'm full kitting. I'm a full kit W today. I'm in my Oxford hoodie, in my Oxford shorts. So I'm looking that's, the part. That's not a good thing to admit on <laughs> any in, yeah. form of media, podcast, WhatsApp group, well, to, your, to your wife. You know, that's just... It's fine. It's fine. It's kind of relevant. But let's quickly move on. Right. I was I forgot that we got rid of Alan. He's not there anymore. I'll keep waiting for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is he? Anyway, uh, we played Rochdale yesterday. And firstly, I can't believe that when we did the predictions, be it that this would have been... So our last three home games, we won a 3-0. That none of us just said, look, it's just going to be 3-0. We all just tried to be fancy and say again it's all going to be tight and whatever and we went all over the place i think jack was the closest with a 3-1 to be fair but the rest of us were not close so that was it uh in terms of the lineup then so two changes for us so rob dickey and mackie coming in for elliot moore um and the suspended matty taylor ford was back on the bench and uh, nico jones missed out from last time baptiste baptiste was also on the bench um very early on in the kind of Radio Oxford 
uh, coverage, they were saying that there was a load of scouts and familiar faces um, in the crowd that had been looking at Brannigan before and they were back again. I found this extremely frustrating in the, and I tried to message Jerome and whoever to try and just get some idea on who it was, but I suppose it doesn't really matter. But it was it's frustrating that B, the BBC know who these scouts are and who what club they're from, but they don't talk about it. Should I be upset? Do I need to be upset? Are you guys upset? I'm upset knowing that he's probably going to go. Uh, whether which club that is, I sort of don't. Preferably the one with more money, but ultimately, if, if he leaves, it's if he leaves, it's, I don't really care who he goes to. No, I just want to be upset with the club that wants to poach him. Maybe is my angle. But <laughs> coming into the game um, again, I don't know where I saw this online, um, but Brannigan has uh, been involved in ten goals in his last fourteen games this season. So five goals and five assists which is as many as he'd had in his first 69 games in the top four tiers, which was three goals and seven assists. So it's not surprising that scouts are you know, noticing that kind of turn in form as he's kind of maturing, which is a shame, a shame for us. Sorry, John. I think we'll keep him till the summer. If you think about Ledson and Lundstrom, when they left, they moved on to a, a championship team. And it's unlikely that a championship team that's either trying to get promoted or relegated is going to bring in a young midfielder. But both Ledson and Lundstrom had to be bed in for quite a while. Brannigan does score a lot more goals than those two, granted. But I don't think he's necessarily right for a team that needs a, an instant reaction because he is still a, a young player, obviously a very good one. And he probably is good enough for the Premiership eventually. But I don't see why a team would desperately need him in January when mm. he possibly can't fit into what whatever the team needs. So... I think we'll just keep him till the summer and then get a very good price for him. I mean, I'm I'm gutted. I sound quite brutal, yeah. <laughs> clinical about how I'm speaking, but I, 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 well, I'll be proved wrong, I'm sure. But I think we just got to. T- I think we'll get a good fee from him, and he's part of the model, really. And young scouser moves on. Yeah, I I just think there's going to be that many scouts there, knowing that other scouts are there. So I would expect people will push to try and get him in January rather than wait until the summer make a move early True. because. You'll have clubs like Barnsley who are struggling or Preston or Blackburn or maybe some clubs nearer to his home in Liverpool um, that are potentially interested that would be of an interest to Brannigan himself. And so we'll see. Um, if he didn't score goals, I, I wouldn't be worried at all I, in terms of January. But that, as you, yeah, you make a good point. And it, but I think the fact he does score from 20 yards, which is a is something that's worth gambling on. So, yeah, well, we'll have to see. Yeah. Anyway, football. So the start of the game, so we dominated the opening exchanges without actually being able to cut through or create anything substantial. But um, then after 20 minutes, we bloody scored from a corner. So... Um, Yay! <laughs> actually, this, wait, this is your wait, moment, wait, 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 wait. This is your moment. I mean... I have in the past made a bit of noise about this because I just find it so ridiculous in terms of how statistics work and the law of averages. Like It should be impossible to take 94 corners, which is how many we took coming into this game, before we started this game, sorry, (laughs) 94, without scoring from one. You just assume pinball would ensue for at least one of those and the ball would just ricochet off someone and go in the the net. But... um, yeah, who really cares when we're kind of scoring for fun? But it was just an interesting stat. 94. 
crazy. Anyway, so Brannigan with a, a good corner in went kind of to the back post, similar to uh, Rotherham the other week when Moore headed it back in. But this time it was Gorin that kind of headed it back um, across goal and then ruffles like a like a nippy striker kind of cut in to the six-yard box and just nipped head of the defender and whacked it in. Um, solid goal. Ben, how delighted are you that we scored from a corner? Are you more delighted than me? I'm quite sad because you can't continue this corner stat now until it builds up again. So in that ca- in that mm. way, I'm not happy we've scored from a corner. But in the other way, the obvious way, I'm delighted. Uh, because, like you said, we're scoring goals for fun. Think how many we would have scored if we actually scored from corners more often. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> But it was a no. It was a good corner. I actually think Gorin did really well. He's he's fallen away uh, and he's going back away from goal and diagonal. So to sort of hook it around the he- with the header to get it back in the six yard box, I think he did well there. And yeah, Ruffles was alert and put it away. Good stuff. Uh, if people are interested, I put a bunch of stats in terms of possession, shots, shots against corners, corners against all that stuff on the Tip Manor uh, Twitter feed. So go and have a look at that if you like stats. Um. There wasn't much in between the first goal and our second goal, but that man, again, Tariq Fosu, was there. Uh, so he kind of started the move by playing a sweeping ball out wide to Cadden to run onto. Uh, again, looking dead composed as he played that ball. Um, very kind of laid back and casual how he's, how he's kind of strutting across the pitch. Uh, Cadden kind of somewhat scuffed his cross, but thanks to a bit of kind of ropey Rochdale defending, the ball fell to Brannigan, who sorted his feet out extremely quickly and smashed the ball off the crossbar um, from just inside the box. Again, I, I was thinking if that had gone, I suppose the scouts are already thinking whether that goes in or not, like fair play to Branner. Uh, the ball kind of looped up off the bar, fell to Fosu 10 or so yards out and composed as you like, he just slots this low placed volley into the far corner. Um, John, how composed was that? It looks ridiculous. It looks too easy. It reminded me of that thing when you're playing five aside or eight aside with um, your friends or whatever, and you, the ball comes across and you think, I'll just side foot this in, this will be easy. And you completely balls it up and somebody <laughs> bellows at you, just put your foot through it, just put your foot through it. And he just absolutely just composure and, and plants it in the um, plants it in the bottom corner. It, it seemed like he had so much time, and, and I think we'll, you're about to t- we'll touch on this, that Mackie was doing a great job blocking off the defender, but even so, the defending for the Brannigan drop, and even so, they should have been much closer to him. I mean, he had a long time mm. to pull that back, but you can't take it away from the, the finish. I mean, to to think to hit it like that, so many would have just snatched and put their foot through it, as I, <laughs> many of us probably would have done. So, no, brilliant, yeah. brilliant goal. Yeah, that Mackie thing, I just I didn't notice it the first couple of times I watched it because I was focusing on Fossu. But yeah, when once I realised how much space Fossu was in, I was like, why is that the case? And then. Mackie's just kind of crouched down with his arms outstretched, not letting the defender get anywhere past him to kind of get towards Fosu. So Mackie does these little things and they go unnoticed yeah. at times, but brilliant stuff from him. Um, Fosu in general, though, just I started writing words because there's too many, <laughs> too many nice things that we can say about him. But composure in recent weeks has been ridiculous. How clinical he has been from both close range and from distance has been ridiculous. Even some of his, he's getting shots on target when he's not scoring as well. Great work rate. And there's a big point made about this constantly now. Um, His defensive input is, you know, second to none at the moment. And the final thing over the last like seven, eight games in terms of this run is the consistency with all the before, essentially. Like he, 
I don't know. He, you know, we've talked about how he might be a bit of a confidence player and he's got this relationship with KR, but he's now looking all of a sudden in this run far too good for this league. And I'm still, whilst he's on a decent contract with us at the moment, I'm still a little bit concerned about um, scouts coming in for him. But obviously it's going to be cost a fair wedge. But Ben, any concerns there? Are you just happy that he's here? I don't think he's going in January. No, I don't think he was. And I don't think he'll go in, in the summer either. Although, obviously, if he keeps his form up for another 10, 15 games, then there's a risk. But, yeah, I think it's great. He's, I think you're very much right with he's a confidence player. He's just so quick-footed as well. He can just sort of take a touch and you think he's lost it. He's got three defenders around him. And then all of a sudden, he's burst free and he's he's got the wing to run up. I think he's improved immensely since the uh, first few games when he was very hit and miss. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's very much of the team plays well and he can feel that. And people know where he's going to be. He can get the ball. And he's just finding so much space. It's brilliant. Did we? We got him from Charlton, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I just wonder what their fans are thinking at the moment. I know they've they've gone up, so they maybe they don't care as much. Um, but yeah, you, you've kind of before he was this kind of slightly irrational, unpredictable player, and most wingers you get a, an element of that. But it's difficult to see him kind of going back to that place at the moment. But anyway, I should touch wood now, so I'll just. There you go. <laughs> um, so there, there you go. That was 2-0. And um, before we kind of, well, there was a red card instance, but before we got into that, there was a decent chance as well where uh, as we were kind of dominating, Brannigan played the ball out wide to Henry, crossed to Mackie near post. Mackie did really well actually to run across the defender, get a really powerful header using the pace of the ball on target. And uh, it was a save you'd expect the keeper to make, but if it was if it was directed anywhere else in the goal, that was going in. Um, he needs a break sometimes, Mackie, because he gets he gets in those positions, makes good contact, but doesn't always get the rub of the green. Um, but then we moved on to the red card, John. I know you were not too sure about this, and my perspective, well, the perspective I had was which was through the highlights. I just couldn't tell, but it looked weird. But my initial reaction was was harsh and. I always look to the what's the other leg, the non-tackling leg doing, and that was was down, almost slightly tucked behind himself. And all right, if his studs are up and he goes over, then doesn't really matter too much. But I thought yellow didn't look great, um, but not a red for me. Ben? Yeah, I agree. I think it, after watching it several times back, it is harsh because it's, if it was two-footed, both legs clearly over the ball, you know, at his knee, it's a red card all day. The only thing I would say about the the ref is in real time it does look bad. It does look like quite a bad tackle, and he's only got to he's got to make that decision straight away off that. Uh, it's harsh, and I can understand why their manager might think it's harsh. Yeah, I was quite maybe it's an orange card, as they say. I was quite <laughs> uh, proud of our players for kicking off and going mental because it's important to do that, <laughs> just in case. But. Yeah, maybe a little bit harsh. But even before the Reds, um, as I put in the notes when I was kind of summing stuff up for myself, our kind of high press was causing Rochdale no end of problems throughout that first half. And they were making mistakes and losing possession all over the place. Eastwood really had nothing to do. There was one um, kind of free header that they had just before the break or just before the sending off, I think. But other than that, we were, you know, we had no problems whatsoever. So um, I don't... You know, it doesn't really matter what other people think, but KR made sure to mention that we were dominating before that sending off as well. 
Um, so going into the second half, Brannigan had to go off at half time due to a knee problem. Baptiste came on. Cadden ended up pulling his hammy um, very early on in the second half, and Sam Long came on for him. And then KR after the game basically said Brannigan had a knee issue. Uh, Chris Cadden had a problem with his hamstring, as I said, and they were going for scans on Monday. So hopefully both of those are relatively positive because whilst we've got strength and depth and Mr. Long did well, as we'll find out um, when he came in, I think losing Brannigan for a period of time is going to cause us some real problems. Um, what did you guys expect? Like, John, did you expect us to go on and score 10 second half or how did you think it would pan out? Well, I was listening to it and it just came across that it didn't sound that intense in terms of pressure on us. And it almost felt like we were going to perhaps just ride it out for the for the second half, probably creating still creating chances. So I thought we might nick one maybe, but I could have seen it being 2-0. But it just sounded like they just weren't putting anything on us whatsoever. And that seemed to be the case. Ben, were you hoping for the 10-0? Uh, I'm always hoping for a 10-0. Uh, <laughs> just uh, looking at the stats at the at half time and how many shots we'd had and how many we'd had on target, it just had that feeling of, we dominate them, but we probably would only get two or three. I thought we might get more than one, but it was clear that we were dominating. Um, yeah. But yeah, sadly no 10. Yeah. We ended up having 30 shots overall in the game. So yeah, there were quite a few chances. And before we ended up getting that third goal, Sykes uh, was played through by Fosu and just carried the ball from inside his own half. Well, our own half. Uh, right into their into their box and just kind of had to stretch to actually get the shot away. But he had a much better game um, by the sounds of it. Uh, Jerome and the guys and Rosie was making sure to make note of that because they'd previously been critical at times of Sykes. So it was good to hear that he was doing well. Um, There's a lot of mentions of sort of still learning his trade and did everything right there, but the final finish. And sometimes I think the guy can't um, get a break really. He's still a young player and yeah. he's got some serious pace as well for that solo run. He left a lot of players for dead. So I just think we, he's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. Really. Was it Jerome who was saying that him and Cadden are actually a very similar age? So having them kind of together on that side is good. But he was com in comparison, he was saying Cadden seems a lot more mature and less... Uh, what's the word? I can't think. Anyway... Just kind of in a place where he's he's more consistent with his his game and his display, and you know what you're going to get from him a bit more so. Well, Cadden's played pro football for one or two years. Sykes is what this is his first proper year, so yeah, it'll be a bit of that as well. Both have got their international caps. Remember, true. Um, Baptiste then had a chance, just placing an effort wide of the post from the edge of the box, and uh, there was a funny moment where. We had another corner, so we could have scored from two corners in one game. That would have been ridiculous. <laughs> but Dickie looked like he was he kind of went down under a challenge. There was some half-hearted kind of appeals for a penalty. And then Baptiste kind of had a shot cross that came back towards him. And Dickie, I think he like tied his feet in knots. And then the ball just hit him and then just went straight back to the keeper. But he was literally one or two two yards out. Ben, did you catch that? It was quite, quite enjoyed it. I did, yes. Yeah, just sort of, it's one of those where you almost want to just be able to swing your leg through it and all just it to hit something but he just managed to yeah <laughs> get himself in all the wrong positions but you know fair enough he's just he's not he's not a striker I'll let him off 
Uh, Rochdale did have the ball in the net at one point, but it was ruled out for offside. It was a tidy finish. It was Henderson, that guy. He had to start on the bench because he wasn't well, but he was the chap that was a danger man with uh, nine goals or so coming into the game. Um, and then we notched another goal. So we had a free kick from the byline right-hand side just on the edge of the box. Rob Hall, who'd just come on for Fosu uh, late on in the game, laid it to the edge for edge of the box for James Henry to hit. Um J-Mo, as they call him, didn't quite catch it as he'd probably like, but it forced the keeper into kind of a dodgy parry of the ball. And then it falls to Mr. Long, who hits it into the ground and into the net. Sammy Long, what a way if Cadden's out for a bit to kind of, you know, build up your own confidence um, for a run of games. Are you happy for him, John? Uh, absolutely. It was, it was one of those things that if you'd said to me, like, what do you think of the past five or six games or how we're doing? I'd have gone absolutely brilliant. But... Cadden, if he's leaving in January, as we believe he is, what's the solution to that? And of course, Sam Long can do a job there. And I think sometimes as fans, we're probably a bit not harsh on him, but you know, don't quite sort of see him as the an alternative. But a bit of momentum in a team for him and in a team that's doing well, and he can absolutely plug the gap. I thought it was just really brilliant to see how all the players just absolutely bundled him. <laughs> and uh, you could tell everyone was desperate to get in on the bundle. And in the interviews afterwards, it was like everyone, Ruffles, Henry, couldn't get to say how, how good it was. So it shows what a popular guy he is. And I think you're absolutely right. This could be the way, this is the way to get into the team because he's he will have to play. I can't see how Cadden will recover in two or three games at least. Yeah. In terms of uh, the stats after the game, before we go on to the reaction then, so we had 67% of possession as you'd kind of expect going into the second half. But you've got to play, you know, it can be tough playing against 10 men. Um, not so much for us at this moment in time. As I said, 30 shots, eight of which were on target. Rochdale had no shots on target. Um, we had 12 corners, which got us up to 100 and... Shit, what did I say it was before? 106. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a corner update after, during every pod. Um, when was the last time we scored from a throw-in? Can we throw? <laughs> <laughs> get these stats going. Come on. True. Uh, ben, was it you that kind of consolidated down some of the reaction into? Yeah, just had a quick look. Uh, unsurprisingly, KL was very impressed. Uh, he said it was a very ruthless win. You know, I thought in the first forty minutes we were sensational. Uh, even when it was eleven v eleven, we could have scored four or five goals. Um, showed plenty of intent and ruthlessness in abundance. There was a horrible edge to us but in the nicest and most respectful way, <laughs> which, yeah, I think basically means we were horrible, but we weren't really horrible. Um, I think it's manager... really important that, to be horrible, like being in all seriousness. Um, I can remember countless teams rolling up to the the CASAM who were the league leaders and they were average footballing teams and we're obviously not an average footballing team, but they were just horrible and you need a rotter in your team. Uh, it's a, something my friend always says, you, you need someone who's just going to be hated and just do all that thing. And it's like you said earlier, surrounding the referee. It's not all very honourable and we wouldn't really want to be doing it, but it's just it needs to be done. Yeah. I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's ultimately what you're saying is we've lacked that and we finally got it, but we're not, you know, a really horrible team just kicking people. We're doing what we need to be doing. No. Yeah. Uh, their manager, uh, basically said it was a difficult day. A great line saying the circumstances of the day didn't materialise in the way we had hoped. Well, yes, I'm <laughs> sure you didn't hope for a 3-0 defeat. Um, but then he just seems to focus on the red card, um, you know, saying it had a huge impact on the way they wanted the game to evolve. Um, basically said he didn't think it was a red, but 
he understands the referees putting a, a tight position when someone goes in like that they have to make a decision of whether it was a red um but then he goes on to say i have no qualms about the decision so again that doesn't really make sense he just seemed to uh didn't really give us much credit just seemed to say that uh, it was a tough day and and the red card cost us which i thought was a bit harsh hmm oh well um yeah, it just seemed to be getting the attention. A few, uh, a few bookies on Twitter, Skybet, um, tweeting that we'd won six and drawn two of our last eight, and that we were on fire. Uh, Bet three six five saying, you know, ten unbeaten in all competitions, just scoring for fun. So uh, clearly making a inroads in the sort of national ideas. And William Hill also were posting stuff. I think that we generally, after every game, we seem to have some decent kind of press and coverage on social media, which is nice to, nice to see. I had a mate, um, Eddie, who's a Leeds fan at work. Um, he ended up sending me some stuff because he'd come across it and was asking about how we were doing and stuff. So, yeah, people are starting to realise that we are, you know, on a march, as they say. Yeah, long may it continue. A uh, couple of tweets from uh, from fans, uh, home fans. Uh, watching Oxford United at the moment is incredible. Um, wish more people would come and watch them. We'll probably get onto that in a second. Um, someone that was saying that uh, it's humble pie time. Uh, that Musino has become a rock in a settled back four. Uh, was the, that was a tweet based on uh, one of their own tweets from the previous year, saying that Musino gave them the most jitters when he was on the ball. <laughs> so it does show actually that Musino has. He certainly impressed me this season. I didn't think he'd. Uh, He'd be playing too often, but actually we've been fantastic no. when he's been playing. Um, not much reaction from away fans, rather than just they were beaten. We were beaten by the better side, which I think is true. Um, but the best one I found was an Arsenal fan saying, I was at Oxford United yesterday and now they play better football than us. Emery out. <laughs> so, there we go. Wow. Obviously, uh, be even well, more it's true. Upset, we are playing though. good football. Yeah. In terms of... Um, the attendance as that came up as well. So it was a spooky six 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 yesterday. And so I saw someone maybe I'm dreaming this. I swear someone said that uh we had in a promotion season back in the nineties we had a seven 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 attendance and then went up. And they correlated I, I the, two, the two things. Yeah. yeah. So it's meant to be. But yeah, on the kind of fans phone ins after the game and again back on social media a lot of our fans were just talking about the attendance and how disappointing it was and look talking about various factors that kind of contribute to it where it be it that the weather was crap the parking isn't great whatever it might be um it is disappointing on a saturday and it's again we've said this before it's very easy for us to sit here in uh, yorkshire not traveling because i know there's definitely fans that still have season tickets that go down um to home games from you know, this part of the country, which is incredible, but sadly, children and stuff happens, but who knows? Anyway, I don't know, John, what, what are your thoughts? Do we need to cover that again? Uh, I think it it's obviously a very hot topic at the minute. I, I always think back to around the times of, sort of Darren Patterson and Graham Ricks and that sort of time, and we used to have this core of about five and a half thousand fans that whatever, however well the team was doing would always turn up, and that was in lead to and around that time I remember thinking the numbers they started to drop down and it was more like four and a half thousand fans would always turn up and then you'd have a bit on top depending on how well we were doing and I just wonder there was a bit of a malaise that set in when we hadn't you know there's a lot of frustration we weren't getting promoted and maybe that's taken some time to to get back but 
you'd think it would permeate pretty quickly that this is an exciting team to to watch and they're obviously in a league higher mm. and league one's a much better standard of football so i think it i just hope it is sort of that push that everyone's doing on social media and so on keeps keeps coming through and things yeah. like the, the flexi ticket pick off as well and pick up even i think the um it's a generational thing as well so if we're doing well now then it might be the next generation that propels up the numbers if that makes sense it's just yeah. about keeping it consistent and uh like we said before maybe a few schemes to get more fans into grounds working with schools that type of thing but yeah i expect we'll have a big attendance for the Sunderland game on Tuesday so maybe that played into it as well anyway let's look at what happened across League One Ben again wow no a lot of me this week sorry everyone <laughs> uh, just yeah, just looking at the results certainly not just Saturday but midweek there seems to be a lot of sort of flip-flopping of teams winning one game losing the next even at the very top of the division I think it just sort of reinforces what we've briefly mentioned in previous podcasts that, that the quality of League One this year just doesn't seem to be quite as high as it was last year or in previous years it seems to be uh, anyone can beat anyone on their day um Lincoln Bolton, Tramia, Doncaster, uh, waterlogged pitches, so no play there. Uh, South End with their new manager, Sol Campbell, after he watched them be thrashed 7 1 midweek. They lost 3 1 at home to Ipswich, um, who themselves lost 2 0 in midweek to Rotherham. So, again, there's another example of we beat Rotherham quite easily, and then they beat the mm. league leaders. Uh, Saturday, Rotherham lost 1 0 home to Wickham. Again, Wickham still doing well. Just got a new. Majority shareholder, an American lawyer, Rob Kuhig. No idea how you pronounce that. Uh, who <laughs> twice failed to enter Congress and twice, as in to, to be elected, not he just was locked out the door. Uh, mm. And he <laughs> twice uh, went for the mayor of New Orleans and failed. So a little bit of history. Um, he said he'll pay off their debts, fund a further 15 years at Adams Park and provide an additional £1 million for this season. So Wickham, Wickham wow. a, bit of, a bit of stability there. Um, although he did... Uh, agreed to buy Yeovil before they got relegated in the summer. So uh, we're still yeah. still waiting for Wickham to have this wobble. It's getting uncomfortable now, but we're playing them before Christmas, I think. So that's going to be a spicy encounter. Yeah, well, I think really, it's, apart from ourselves, it's Wickham are the only other team with a little bit of stability in their form at the moment. Maybe Peterborough to an extent, but yeah, they are doing very well. Uh, mm. Sunderland, another team flip flopping. They beat Tramia five nil midweek, then lost one nil away to Shrewsbury. So form. All over the place. Who knows what Sunderland will turn up on Tuesday? Hopefully, it's uh, it's the one that played on Saturday. Hmm. Um, other opponents uh, for next weekend: Pompey. They drew two all away at Bristol Rovers. Seemed quite a, a hard fought game, but again, neither of those two teams have really put their foot down and excelled so far this season. Looking at the table, no change really either ends. Bolton, Southend, and Wimbledon still struggling at the bottom with MK Dons, Tramia just above the dotted line. Uh, at the top of the table, there's a little bit of movement midweek as various teams uh, lost and then won again. But compared to last weekend, the top six are exactly the same. Ipswich, Wickham, and then in the playoffs, Peterborough, Fleetwood, ourselves, and Coventry. Nice. Any thoughts, John? Anything stand out for you? No, I think Ben summed it up well. It, it's been up and down and your teams just don't seem to be able to get any kind of consistency as we'll touch on with the two teams we're about to play next so oh, what a segue Ooh.
So after that delightfully unplanned segue, um, <laughs> let's start on Sunderland. I mean, three games away from the final. That's just crazy, really. Um, mm. I think the big change for them is that they've changed managers since we played them and drew 1-1. Phil Parkinson's in, and I think it's a good appointment. I think all these big League One teams that come down into League One, sort of your Leeds, your Southamptons, they, they sort of go with a high-profile name and then eventually realise they need someone who actually knows the division and has got a reputation. So I think he'll he'll sort them out and Sunderland fans will get over their initial scepticism. Although having said that, his, his initial form hasn't been hasn't been great. But by all accounts, he's talking about high-intensity, attacking football. KR acknowledged that in his interview as well. So I think Tuesday will be an exciting game regardless. Um, so Ben's touched on it, you know, battered Tranmere, lost to Wickham. Well, they're looking at the stats. Look, they had a lot of possession, but that, that may just be more about how Wickham play. And then they've lost to yeah. Shrewsbury 1-0, but but still still in eighth. Uh, in terms of players to watch, I mean, they've not brought anybody new in particular. They've still got some very good names. You, you Will Griggs, you Aidan McGeady's, Chris McGrath, of course, we know and love, and your you Max Power. Uh, Duncan Watmore has come into the team in recent times. Now, I was remember him vividly for sort of bursting onto the scene in the premiership and also everyone being amazed that he was doing an economics degree and it being like, what? He can't play football and do an economics degree. That's just insane. <laughs> um, but he's the second, he's the only, the second only premiership player to get a first class degree. The other being David Weatherall. And I believe Steve Harper might have one as well, but it just amused me that everyone was making out that it was like, oh my God, a footballer's doing something like that as well as playing. You know, it was the, he should drop his studies and focus on football type stuff. But anyway, he's he's come back into the team and is a hell of a player, so that that could be interesting. Um they they seem to play a, a four, two, three, one. Um reading one of their fan sites, it sa- it sounds since the managerial change, they've mixed how those those front players play. So you've got Will Grigg is dropping back and actually linking up more of the play and the three behind him, so Maguire, McGeady. Uh, Lyndon Gooch pushing on and sort of causing mayhem with Maguire actually running the game a bit more. So I think we all know what Maguire can do. So this could be could be quite interesting. Um, mm. But it sounds like quite a dynamic front four, whereas before it was a bit more of a knock it up to Will Grigg and see what he can do type of thing. So yeah, I think that should be good fun to watch for for the um, well for the neutral and for ourselves yeah. as do, well. Do you reckon we need to go back to the definition of Gooch and surface that back up? <laughs> Let's not. Let, yeah, let, let's not. Um, let's keep. We're trying to keep it clean this week, aren't we? So with, <laughs> with Connor, with Connor off. Um, so predictions then, chaps. I mean, our the lineup we know will change. The, the centre backs will change. Is that going to be? Will that be more for Dickie or is Massinho the constant because he's senior? Or what? Do, what do we think? Is mm, I don't know. I think it will be Moose and more. Actually, I don't know. Dickie's had a, a break at um, Rotherham, hasn't he? So maybe it... I guess I don't know, to be honest, John. <laughs> ben, do you know? No, uh, I don't know either. That's why I asked the question, because I thought someone would have a have a thought, but um, maybe not. So I think... I, I wonder whether we'll bring Hall in. I assume Taylor will start as, as well. Doesn't feel like a Mackie game. It'll probably be played quite a high pace. But... Um, well, so yeah, let's do some predictions. We're very good at them. Um, ben, what do you reckon? <sighs> the temptation to say 3-0. Uh, I won't say 3-0. Um, I'll say 2-1 Oxford. Quite a close game, quite a scrappy game. Traditional cup fixture, I think. 
Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a nerve-wracking one, actually, because I really, really want us to go through. I, I'd still rather beat Portsmouth on Saturday than go through, but I want both, to be honest. <laughs> um, I reckon it's going to be a tough 1-0, or like Ben says, a, a 2-1, and I, th- I expect to be biting my nails come like the 85th minute or whatever. I can see a, I can see penalties potentially if I'm getting oh. my rules, rem- remembering my rules in it. It's straight to penalties, so it might be. A, I think it's a two-two, and then penalties and well, we'll win after penalties. Of course, we've got a, a good record, but we should really start looking back on and just confirming how rubbish we are at these predictions. With <laughs> um, right, I'll rattle on to to Portsmouth. Uh, so we played them already this season, but that was in the tin pot, so we'll ignore that one. Um, our record against them overall is actually pretty even. We've won 22, drawn 18, lost 25 of the total times we've we've played them. But away, not being great. We lost 4-1 last season and 3-0 the season before. We did beat them 1-0 in, in the 2016 promotion season, which Jordan Barry scored. And I think that was a, a really big win for the promotion charge back at the time. But yeah. as Ben touched on, they're, they're a team where their form's all over the place. I mean, they're, they're 16th. Um, they do have one of those teams that have played a couple of games less, but still they're they're all over the place, and they've spent a lot of money on that team. You know, John Marcus being a, a key example, but actually one of the lowest scoring teams in the division. Not the lowest, but certainly one of three or four when you look at the the league table quite quite quickly. Um, but you know they've beaten Doncaster away, they've drawn at Gillingham, lost to uh, lost to Wimbledon, and as Ben mentioned, they drew against Bristol Rovers, and that was after being two 0 up. So their manager's rumoured to be under pressure, Kenny Jacket. So they can't surely turn up being particularly confident. But on paper, no. you know, their, their strikers are superb. They've got Ellis Harrison, Marquis, I mentioned, Holly Hawkins, Evans, Brett Pittman, Ryan Williams, who will remember, um, Marcus Harness, who was at Burton last season. So they've got some decent players on, on paper. Uh, but are very erratic and just seem to be chopping and changing all the time, be it formations, results. So, again, oh, well, I mean, I'll go first on predictions. I, I think it'll, I think it's a place we can definitely go and win, and I think we might nick it. But they, they, they're capable of doing anything, really. I don't know what you guys think, uh, James. I, for some reason, even though I was there for that four-one opening day of the season game, and distinctly remember getting asked to leave an Argos because I was listening to the game when um, Jordan Bowery scored that goal. And I think the whole shop just stared at me as I kind of jumped up and down. (laughs) (laughs) That was a vital goal, though. It was huge. Yeah. Um, We've had some really frustrating games there in recent times. I remember that Alex Mowat penalty miss where their player then came and shouted at him and then he just slapped him in the face, got sent off, and then we got battered. That was on TV, wasn't it? Uh, It was one of the most... I watched that back the other day because... That guy, he used to play for Swindon as well. I forget his name. Um, anyway, I, I think we'll I think we'll edge it. I think we're going to have too much. I hope that Brannigan's injury isn't um, too serious because that midfield's going to be have a different dynamic to it without him. Um, I'm going to go 2-0. Two, two mm, the lack of Brannigan, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good interesting factor. If he, if he is out, of how we deal with that, whether we do we do change our sh- uh, shape slightly. Um, that being said, I think I think again similar to the Sun, I think it'll be scrappy. I think it won't be a pretty game of football. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to go two one again. Two one to us. 
I think if Brannigan's not in, then Baptiste can come in and with with them now playing just Goran in front of the defence, it shouldn't make an enormous amount of difference. Oh, but I don't know. I don't know. Having me and you were at Fleetwood, John, and maybe maybe Shandon's fitness is better now. And he seems to be doing really well when he's coming off the bench when the pace of the game has slowed down a bit. But maybe that game, actually, that's unfair because he was being played out of position slightly, wasn't he, for a bit. But I'm just a bit nervous as to Brannigan being missing. But Oh, I, no, I, I agree. I think Baptiste in the centre, I'd be more confident with out where he was, as you mentioned, Fleetwood, absolutely, absolutely not. But yeah, there we go. Um, Sunderland and Portsmouth, easy, easy, easy points. <laughs> Right, what time are we on? Oh, 50 minutes. This is going to have to be speedy. Right, on this day and the last pick section. So on this day, 27th of October, is that the day today? It is, isn't it? 2018, yep. so a year ago today. So we celebrated our 125th anniversary and it was our biggest win, uh, biggest League One win of the season to date um, when we beat Shrewsbury Town 3-0 at the Kassam Stadium last year. So... This feels like a lot longer ago because it was the it was the game where we had the Headington United orange shirts whacked out, of which 125 were made. Did either of you get one? I didn't. No. Neither did I. We'll move on. <laughs> Great, the spooky sorry. the spooky thing about this is that given you know we talked about how you know fewer goals we score from corners in that game we scored from a corner and guess who scored it? Josh Ruffles. So Josh Ruffles opened the scoring in that game, heading in a Tony McMahon corner after three minutes. Um, isn't that spooky? Ooh. <laughs> where's, where's, need a jingle for that. I don't have a jingle, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, Gavin White and Marcus Brown scored the other two goals. And uh, I, I was trying to, I was assuming when I looked at the starting 11 that I would be able to give you an exciting fact being like, guess how many players started that game that were still starting, you know, yesterday against Rochdale and I thought it'd be like two or three but it was actually seven which is interesting because you know a big brunt or that big part of the spine of the team was still there and considering where we're at now it is an interesting contrast um, to where we were at before so um, last thing on that after that game and so this is yeah late end of October last season uh, we were five unbeaten after that Shrewsbury game, yet we were still 21st in the league and in the relegation places. So, again, nice contrast to where we're at now. Everyone should be very happy. Everyone smile in your car or as you're walking, as you're listening to this, please. Anyway, last pick 11. So we had a lot of feedback on the back of the initial kind of centre-back selection. So I think we got a lot of abuse, in all honesty, because... Maybe we picked some unfair people. Who knows? But what was good is that we got a load of feedback about people that we'd missed. So we can t- we, we decided rather than picking the top two from the first round, we're going to have another one for the next centre-back. So who won? Again, for the second poll in a row, it was a bloody draw. Uh, just like the big, what was it, Tom Newey and someone? Who was Capaldi. the battle? Capaldi. Capaldi battle, yeah. This week, we've got the battle of Futcher and Aaron Martin. And I feel like we can draw on the feedback from some of our listeners or just people that follow us on Twitter, like Johnny Biscuits, uh, who said, I don't know how he did it, but Futcher got shorter when he jumped. And then another person, 
Uh, Sal Fox Ox said Aaron Martin wasn't that bad. Certainly not in the same league as the rest of these. Probably also down to the age demographic. And then Thamesmen Yellow. So those guys do a, a podcast. Um, it's actually pretty good. Actually, I didn't know how an Oxford and Reading themed podcast like in collaboration would work, but it's pretty decent. Give it a listen. Um, but they kind of agreed and said it's more just the people on Twitter know who Aaron Martin is, and that's why they vote for them. I think we get a bit of that in every poll. I think Futcher deserves it, chaps, but what do you two think? Yeah, I think we go with Futcher. Yeah, I think Aaron yeah. Martin was was unlucky. I mean, my pick, although I wasn't here, was uh, Ian McGuckin, and he, he came last in that poll. Yeah. So, yeah, let's give it to Futcher. And I think people, when we do the second poll for the next one, I think people should be to tweet in their pairing of, of the, across the two polls as well, because not everyone will have wanted two out of those four. So I think there'll be yeah. some interesting partnerships that will emerge from uh, <laughs> some of the other players. That's right. So round two of centre-backs, we'll try and get through this quickly. So Phil Whelan came up. I was actually disappointed I forgot about Phil because he was definitely around as I was at the at the Manor back in the day. And I do remember the comments flying around. So Nigel Lines and Adam Slade, our very own Adam Slade, Yorkshire Yellow, both suggested Phil. Uh, he was a regular for Ipswich, then came to move to Middlesbrough, and then we signed him for 170k, which was uh, no mean feat back in '97. Played 51 games for us across three seasons, which isn't actually that many. And uh, John, I think you were saying he's just a bit of a donkey. He was a he, he had his <laughs> moments, yeah. I mean, he he played in a. He was out the back when he played a few games of the season. We got relegated, but then the season after, he played with Mark Watson next to him, who was who was very good and played all season. I think we finished eleventh that season. So I think he was one of those that probably could have made the made the cut. But yeah, I think he he's he's definitely worthy of further consideration. Yeah, bit of a fact for you: he became a che- a teacher in uh, Cheshire after retiring. So maybe he taught people how to defend after that anyway second pick uh brian wilsterman someone shouted brian wilsterman in the pub us the other day and i've no idea who they were or whether they knew what we were talking about but <laughs> it seemed irrelevant but he was a, a dutch player who um was a bit of a cult favorite but he was with us for the 97 98 season playing a majority of the games in that year we finished 12th in the championship that year um, he played 41 times. Uh, we kept two clean sheets against Man City. Yes, a different Man City, but still Man City. Um, I don't think he he deserves a shout. John, thoughts? No, I, I I agree. I mean, one of the reasons he probably wasn't in the the first pick was he was a bit of a cult hero, regardless of being perhaps a bit more not fleet of foot as well. <laughs> but well, you know, we've got we'll let everyone have their views. That's right. Wayne Hatswell was the next one. So he's currently the assistant manager to Mike Flynn at Newport County. But he was born in Swindon and then I stopped trying to research anything about him because I didn't remember him. And I think he deserves to go in just because of that. Uh, is this the guy that scored that comedy own goal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. He played a lot of left Fantastic. back um, during his time with us. And he just sort of battered the person and then boomed it up the line. That's all I can remember about him. But... Yeah, it was certainly no, no finesse to centre back. Okay, the uh, the next one, Leo. How do I pronounce this? Leo Ro- Roget or Roger? It's one or the other. I think it's Roget. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, was, I would go with Roger because it sounds fancy. Roger, but he was born in like North East London or something, so I, I didn't sure if it would if it fit. Anyway, 
Wikipedia says, because again, I don't remember the guy, but Paul Matthews um, and our very own Jack seem to remember him, uh, said he's a bad boy player, received 60 yellow cards, was sent off seven times during his career. Um, he ended up becoming a boxer to help get his anger out after retiring from football. Anyway, he joined us uh, on a two-year deal in 2004, made 36 appearances, scored two goals during the 2004-05 season, given a free transfer or offered a free transfer by Brian Tolbert at the end of that, um, where he trialed for Grimsby Town. But then he ended up staying with us, which is nice. It must have been a big morale boost for the man. Um, so he, he played out the final year um, of his contract, making 41 appearances and scored three goals. That seems bizarre considering he was offered a free and then stayed with us. Anyway, um, he was once sent off whilst playing for Southend against Oxford in the case of mistaken identity. I thought <laughs> I wrote that. I definitely didn't write that. Is, is that a comment no, from you, John? I wrote, I wrote that. I wrote that. Um, I found it in one of the good Oxford books about um, various players and thought it was quite amusing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, at the end um, of his kind of career with us, he was in the team that got us relegated ultimately to the conference um, and he retired from professional football the year after basically saying that he didn't love the game anymore so we helped him not love the game and he helped us not love him so he's definitely in there um, two more Lee Jarman uh, Dean, Dean Soans and our very own uh, Adam Slade again both su- suggested this guy uh, trying to pick out a key thing but he basically was on playing for Exeter City on a weekly deal, which is never a good sign for any player. And it, we ended up looking at that and thinking, we want a piece. So we signed him on a one-year deal, featured regularly for the first half of the 2000-2001 season, then fell out of favour and left the club at the end of his contract. But he moved into non-league football after that and was apparently pretty shite. Mind my language. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sangare... Um, was a wilder special in the loan department, according to Matthew Peck. And I do remember this fella. Um, he signed in January, made his debut um, in a 2-1 win against Bradford, uh, broke his metatarsal, and then only after playing four appearances with, was released. Because he hasn't played that much, and I know we've just put Futcher in, he only played like six, seven times for us. I don't think he makes the cut. So we've got Jarman, Roger, Whelan, and Hatswell. But there we go. I think that's a solid, solid lineup. What do you think? Yeah, some real contenders in there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We're on to the quiz. Do we have a quiz? We have a quiz. I've I've done a quiz. uh, Quick fire and we're focusing on wingers. Think about, just think about wingers. So it's James versus Ben's lag. Just uh, shout your name and. Uh, I thought you'd call me a slag then. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't talking about uh, you in any form, Ben. This is a. Uh... <laughs> I want you to win this one. I think James is ahead anyway. So um, get your lag or your whatever up to speed. Um, right. So yeah, quick fire. Um, Ten questions, and then we'll we'll see where we get to. So I think it's all all about wingers. So question one. Against which team did Joey Beecham score that goal in 1995-96? So it was an absolute cracker, this goal. uh, James? Blackpool? Yeah, very good. Blackpool. Which winger... I only watched that the other day. Which... It's an absolute salter. He's like leaning leaning backwards almost as well. But but anyway, (laughs) question two. Which winger 
famously hung on the bar away at Wickham as part of a resounding 3-0 win. Oh, my mind's gone blank. Any ideas? It's a, it's a picture of it. He's uh, he scored and Paul Moody's to the left of him. Well, as soon as you said that, I thought it was Paul Moody at a home game that hangs off a crossbar <laughs> in that iconic shot, but maybe not. Um, well, unless I've got it wrong. Mark Angel. I think it was a... No. Ben, any guesses? No, I just, yeah, Moody was the only one I could think of. Uh, it's Stuart Massey. Oh. Right, question three. Which one-time Chelsea prodigy signed for us in 2004 and was good as and was as good as his name rhymed with? So think about what his name might rhyme with. Uh, 2004. I don't know. James? Go Didn't on, we man. sign Eddie Newton? But I don't think it's Eddie Newton. No, that was that was Mars before. Yeah. Ben, any guesses? He's definitely not a... He's not a winger either. I keep forgetting this is wingers. Yeah. Um, no, none for me. It was Courtney Pitt. Oh, I'd never have no. got that. Uh, fair enough. Question four. Did Alfie Potter make over or under 200 appearances for the Yellows? Ben. Now, if you get it wrong, you will... You, ben? Under. That's correct. He made 194. Uh, which winger set up two goals against Swindon in 2012 before subsequently signing for them later that season? It was a game where Bino got sent off very early. Yeah. Uh, James? Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Go I was going to say Ollie Johnson, but it's not Ollie Johnson. He's scored in that. Crap. I don't know. Crap. I remember being ben, really upset it. about this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pass. It was Lee Holmes. Oh, yeah. That I would never have managed to claw that name back, but I remember it being <laughs> a real emotional time when he did that. Okay, question number six. Can you name our most holy winger? And think about his name. James. <laughs> yeah, James. Ma Mark Angel. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark, Mark Angel. <laughs> I was just desperate to get him into the quiz, I think. I was going to say. Um, question seven. Can you name the two Oxford wingers called up for the under-21 England, te England team back in 1998? Or can you name one of them? 98. James. Go on, James. Aldridge? Was he... Uh, is that a bit of a... No. Say? Yeah. Ben? I've got such a blank from that era. Too much beer when I was at Union. Um, nah. You definitely weren't at Union 98. No, I'm not saying I was <laughs> yeah, at Union 98. Saying. I'm saying the beer when I was at Uni has cancelled out that bit of my brain. It was uh, Paul Powell and Simon Marsh. Ah, uh, fair enough. There's people there just hammering their... <laughs> uh, just slamming their headphones or flushing them down the toilet or something. Question eight. Which winger scored the final goal in the game that secured our promotion to League One in 2016? James. Go on. Callum O'Dowder. That's correct. Right, question nine. Which former Oxford winger is now our under-18s coach? Oh, I can see him. Oh, my God. 
Ben, Ben, you, you need I this. Know. We'll do, we'll do question ten anyway. But... Oh my god! <laughs> you played at you played at Millwall after Oxford. If that helps. I know. I can picture him. Oh my god! I thought of his name. Chris Allen. We'll have to uh, Chris him. Allen. That's wrong. You're nearly there. I'll, I'll call that one. It's uh, Chris Hackett. Oh crap! Okay. Final, final question. Which winger briefly at Oxford went on to feature an MTV reality television series X on the Beach and the 33rd season of MTV's The Challenge <laughs> War of the Worlds? What the? What? This is probably a bit niche. I have absolutely no, no idea. Where to start? It was a chap called Ashley Kane. Oh, I remember Ashley Kane. He was. But, yeah, I remember him. But there we go. Right, James, you've got it. Three to one. I felt like that was a bit too hard, but that was quite know. hard. I'm sure a lot of people listening will get a lot of that. But anyway, that's what I. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's one of them where you you're not going to know every answer, which is probably a good thing for a quiz. So, there we have it. Right, um, we're over an hour, but you know we had some feedback from some of the the Yorkshire Yellow people saying they're on, they've got like a three hour drive and they were hoping for a three hour podcast this week. I'm sure that's not the case for everyone else. Um, what do we have on next, next week's show? I'm trying to think. So we'll obviously talk about Sunderland and Pompey. Um, we'll be previewing the FA Cup. For, oh, it'll be the FA Cup game, won't it? The Hayes game the following weekend, unless there's anything in between that gets shoved in there. But I think that's the case. No, just, just the Hayes game. I should be going to that actually. It just is coincident. I coincidence that I'm in London for a wedding on the Saturday. So hopefully I'll be able to give you some uh, in-depth insight on the Hayes and Yedding Stadium. There we go. Right. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Music definitely sounds like it's off Country File, isn't it? <laughs>